course, I want to remind everyone to go to HankStrange.com. That is the best way to to support our efforts here. Go to Hank Strange. Uh, you can get on our email list. You can also pick up some uh, Hank Strange patches that we have. Uh, you know, uh, we appreciate you guys get, getting the patches from us. Um, also, look around the site there. There's lots of different things that you could do if you want to find out other ways to contact us, support us, etc. Okay, uh, let me start loading people into, into the podcast here. Let's see. We'll get everyone up. And then I will hit the open button. Welcome back to the Hank All right. Strange situation. Welcome back to the show, guys. Make sure you subscribe, the smash the thumbs ups, ring the bell so you can be notified every time we go live. So we've got a couple of new guests. They don't know about jazz hands. Yes, gentlemen, we have this tradition here. We've been doing it for three years. It's called jazz hands. If you're a tough guy, don't worry about it. We're taking it back from the terrorists. Can I see jazz hands from everyone? Come on, there we go. Look, I'm actually getting jazz hands. All right, I hope you got your big girl panties on because we are live. And this is episode 673 of the Who Moved My Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Hank Strange. Um, the title of the show is Decentralizing Our Ecosystem. And our guests are Rob McNeely of Tusk. We also have Steve from Rex Centillium. Did I say it? Silentium. Silentium. Ah, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna mess that up. We've got Rex. Uh, we've got Steve from Rex Silentium here joining us, as well as Flying Rich. You guys can see Flying Rich is there. Um, also, big shout out to everyone who's here. As you guys come in, please smash those thumbs up. Share this if you can. Uh, help us to override the algorithm here on the YouTube's. Uh, we we really really appreciate that. Now. So just for, if you're joining us, you want to know, like, what is all this stuff that we're talking about? I have no clue. We're going to start there. I don't know about any of this, but I know I've been having conversations with you guys for a while saying that in the firearms industry, in the gun world, gun community, we need to start, um, you know, we, we need to start having ownership over our own ecosystem. I don't know if that's a good way. I don't know if you guys... Um, here on the panel uh, agree with me on that but w but we need to take control of things and I think lately with everything that's happening uh, the the results of the elections um, social media platforms out there being activists and uh, deep platforming people and trying to control the message all of that stuff that's going on we really not need to start thinking about how do we communicate with each other how do we uh, buy and sell things to each other all those kinds of things around that. So that's why we're having this conversation today. That's the reason why Steve and Rob and, and Richard are here. Um, they're going to try to explain to me and you all <laughs> exactly where to start because I know it's a little daunting. So uh, welcome everyone out there. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Steve first. If you could just tell the folks out there who you are and uh, what do you do? Yeah, my name is Steve uh, Lovis. I uh, own and uh, operate uh, Rex Silentium. Uh, we are a suppressor manufacturer located here in Bozeman, Montana. Okay, very cool. And I think that uh, you've got some alternative ways of people being able to purchase stuff from you. Yes, and for some time now, we've we've used um, <clears throat> a, uh, I, I believe it's coin payments, uh, as a... Uh, another method of payment on our website and we've used it for i believe about five years now um so that um 
uh, uh, folks who are coming to make purchases from us can use a variety of uh, different cryptocurrencies, uh, not the least of which is Bitcoin. Okay, very cool. And then now I'm going to go to Rob of Tusk. Rob, if you could just explain to the folks out there who you are, what you do. Uh, my name is Rob McNeely. I'm based in the Salt Lake City area. So, you know, high five to the Rocky Mountain West, right? Um, but uh, I am one of the original co-founders of a community-driven non-ICO cryptocurrency payments project that was tailored built for the gun industry. So much like Steve was just mentioning Bitcoin, we're kind of like Bitcoin that was designed for the gun retailers. All right, very cool. And I'm going to go to Flying Rich. If you could just tell the folks why you're here, um, you know, other than if people need lessons on how to crash your plane every time you land. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Everybody's just bringing it up. Uh, actually, I used to mine Bitcoin. So uh, I mined Bitcoin, and it's a sad story. Just like my plane crash, uh -oh. I lost all of my Bitcoin, Bitcoin with Mt. Gox. Oh, okay. All right. So, Ouch. yeah, you, you you know stuff the hard way, Rob. I think. Um, okay, so I, I guess we should start here with what should folks know if they're trying to, um, you know, if they're trying to get into this, right? People have heard horror stories like what Rob's mentioning. I mean, I'm sorry, what Rich is men mentioning. If someone's thinking about this, where should they start? What's the basics of what they should know? Um, about cryptocurrencies, for example. I don't know who wants to jump in there. Maybe Rob, if you want to... Rob, why don't you start? Yeah. Oh, they can throw me to the wolves in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fine. There's a lot in that question. Um, yeah, I know, I know. So, so I, I'm going to try to keep it at a high level, okay? Because mm -hmm. I think if we start getting nitty-gritty, we're going to lose a lot of people because mm -hmm. um, it is really a lot of information to swallow. But think of it this way. A lot of our payments now that people are comfortable with, whether it be credit cards or debit cards or people are familiar with the demons like PayPal mm -hmm. and Venmo and Square and Stripe and Cash App, all those payments are basically digital transactions but they're denominated in dollars and they go through a bunch of activist banks that hate gun people. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so essentially cryptocurrency is another way to move value around, but the underlining or underlying unit of transaction is not a dollar. It okay. is a new type of currency. Um, and so ultimately as we go and get further into, you know, creating and abstracting better on and off ramps, being able to get that cryptocurrency um, from dollars and back into dollars and out of dollars as those the getting those things are kind of complicated right now. It's a little harder than just, you know, using Venmo right now. Mm -hmm. um, but over time, the from the end user perspective, the transaction of value shouldn't be much different than using something like a Venmo or a PayPal or a Cash App over time. And and projects like Tusk and, and even on, you know, Bitcoin and some of these other cryptocurrency projects, they're working on making that process easier and it will get easier in time. But, but from the end user perspective, it's just moving value around instead of using dollars. It's like, using a different type of currency. I mean, for instance, if you were using uh, a, a cash payment app that was denominated in, you know, Swiss francs, it's not dollars. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you can do the similar type of transaction with Tusk or Bitcoin. Okay. Um, and so folks out there might be asking themselves, why would we want to do this? Uh, by the way, shout out to Harry's Holsters that's a sponsor of the podcast here. I appreciate them doing that. And and that that brings up something. Like, I got banned for life from PayPal. 
because I'm a gun guy. Right. You know, um, and, private account. Yeah, my per- personal yeah, account. my my personal account. And it wasn't like I didn't buy a gun or anything like that or sell a gun using PayPal. I just there's a certain company that I might have just mentioned that sponsors this podcast and because they they try to support us through PayPal got banned. And I know it was that because uh, Lola, Lola said, okay, I'll, I'll create a PayPal and try to do this. She went through the whole process. Uh, immediately when uh, that, they try to make that payment, she got banned for life. And that's insane. Like, you know, we can't have a, a, a company come in that literally makes Kydex holsters and support us without getting banned. So if, if someone's wondering out there, and I know, Steve, you, you know, you, you make, you manufacture and sell suppressors. Did you come across the same thing when you decided to start using? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been radioactive for, you know, five or six years, you know, mm-hmm. in the suppressor business. So, and I think anybody, uh, any, anyone you talk to who's in the suppressor business or even in the, the uh, NFA, you know, business is going to tell you the same thing. It's very hard to find, um, processors that won't gouge you uh, into oblivion uh, just to handle, um, you know, the the credit card, this antiquated credit card system. Oh, okay. So, yeah, okay. it's, it's very difficult and you can't even go near, you know, PayPal or, or any of these other ones just because of their weapons policy. And, of course, the people writing and implementing and, and, and ultimately deciding on that policy are as ignorant about firearms yeah. as you could be. Absolutely. Well, and I'd like to piggyback on that. And and what then what you know Steve's talking about is the terms of service on these third-party payment providers, these PPPs, um, prohibits lots of things like CBD, gambling, pornography, typically sex workers, and guns. Um, and this is not for legal reasons, but the excuse they say is because there's quote unquote higher fraud or higher risk with these type of industries. Mm-hmm. And so I, I always like to point that out. It's not because that guns are illegal. This is a pure policy decision made on the part of these activist banks that clearly do not support guns at all. So I like to throw that out there. That's not because guns are doing something wrong necessarily. It's just mm-hmm. because um, the banks have chosen to prohibit them. Yeah. Okay. So we, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, let me. I'm sorry. Uh, forgive me for this. Uh, let me just interrupt for a second. I'm seeing in the comment feed that there's a lot of people having. Like I can see we have uh, folks in the chat, but they're saying they're having a tough time uh, getting any video. Like I see CloverTax says, "Can anyone watch anything else?" Go try. I can't. So I don't think it's just us. If there's something happening out there, I think um, who knows, man. YouTube, huh? Video on my end here. Yeah, Um, I think some people are getting it and some people aren't. So maybe there's a problem with the server or something going on right now with YouTube. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna soldier on here, and in worst case scenario, we'll you know we'll be able to put this up. I know Steve has a limited time, and then we have. Um, the our other guests here uh, for the full two hours, but we're just going to keep going, and because on our end everything's good, right? No one's having any issues. Nope, I'm not. Okay, sorry. Okay, so forgive me. Where did I interrupt you, Steve? Oh, I was just going to say, you know, again, uh, the uh, Eric, I believe it was Eric Holder mm-hmm. in the uh, Obama administration started some kind of policy or, or tried to implement some kind of policy where they were going to choke us off from the banking yeah. system. Yeah, what was that uh, called? Um, Operation yeah. Choke Point. Choke Point. Yeah. Circa 2012-2013. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So uh, I, you know, I was luckily not swept up into that. And I work with a regional bank out here and they are, you know, you know, all full disclosure, you know, they know exactly what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, I have to, I have to seek those kind of, um, uh, businesses out, you know, to, to, you know, because otherwise, you know, and it's happened about three times to me where all of a sudden the policies will change or they'll just be pulled out of the blue Mm -hmm. and my credit card processing is gone. And then Mm -hmm. that's my cash flow. So. Yeah, I can give you guys uh, another example. After I initially met Rob, or I, guess, I don't know if we met. This is actually the first time we're seeing each other. We spoke over the phone. But there's a there's a company that I do a lot of stuff with. Andrew's uh, Custom Leather. He makes uh, holsters, leather belts, and things like that, right? Uh, and they use some exotic leathers, etc. So he's been doing business for forty years. Uh, you know, making people make orders online and stuff like that. Someone at the bank realized that he deals in leather and they said how do we know this guy's not getting illegal leathers and they literally (laughs) froze his account and then didn't tell him (laughs) so thank you the lacy act amendments of 2008 Mm -hmm. yeah so this how do you know I mean, they all look the same, right? I yeah. mean, they don't stop the beers or any of these guys. That, yeah. That's that's such bullcrap. Yeah, uh, it's it's a nightmare that's happening out there. So I think this is the reason to simplify it for you all. This is the reason why we're talking about the money side of it. There's social media and stuff like that we'll talk about later. But this is a way they could cut us off and make it impossible for us to be able to do business with each other. And, and we're talking here about stuff uh, that's guaranteed in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the Constitution is just a a, a, a codification of pre-existing rights. Exactly. So, yeah. You know, and 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 th- this this is just an extension of the bureaucracy that then goes into the private sector. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so let's say we realize that now. What are we doing? I know Steve, you're doing stuff, and and, and I know Rob, you're doing things. What are we doing? What should we we be doing about this? Well, who do you, you want to go, Steve? Or no, go ahead. I've, yeah. I've, I'm using up all well, the air. No, well, no, no. I, I, I would like to say I don't know if you guys saw the. I, there's a lot of announcements that have happened yesterday and today. I don't know if you saw the uh, the listing of the advisors to the Biden campaign now mm-hmm. on the different agencies, and it's all Silicon Valley people, mm-hmm. Facebook, Google, all of them literally have advisors to the president. So mm-hmm. if you if and that, if there's this thing called quid pro quo, as they say, um, and if, if if it's not obvious enough during the election, it's pretty obviously now after the election that Silicon Valley um, certainly is biased and definitely politically biased in one direction. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's important to know because we've never been at this level before where corporations now are super political animals mm-hmm. um, to the level that they are, not only to the point where they maybe just, you know, they maybe don't, maybe it used to be like the CEO would donate some money to a candidate he liked, or maybe they'd hire a lobbyist. But now we literally have, you know, especially not only banks becoming activists, but social media platforms, which are absolutely influencing mm-hmm. um, people's perceptions. Mm-hmm. 
And, and that's a very dangerous thing right now because they are these third-party gatekeepers. Uh, and, and the banks have been doing it, as we mentioned before, you know, since Operation Choke Point for, you know, eight years now, where they're also picking and choosing who the winners and losers are in mm -hmm. transactions. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think as you, you know, broke the story with, you know, John Crump yesterday about, you know, the ATF is, is going to be going after certain things with this current administration, mm -hmm. um, I believe, you know, they're going to go after certain features, obviously, and accessories, but you know, I have a feeling they're going to. I think they're going to revive the zombie of Operation Choke Point, mm -hmm. and so I think on both sides, I think there's these decentralized technologies, whether it's for social media um, and you know for payments. But what that means, what are decentralized technologies? So um, I've talked to a lot of retailers, like Steve, especially when before we ever even started coding Tusk, and to find out what their problems were in the industry. We had a good idea, but we wanted to really hear firsthand before we started building something what what people needed mm -hmm. um and, and what we kind of found out is you know there's a whole lot of ways that you know people are getting hammered out there um <clears throat> because of middlemen and what i like to say a decentralized technology is so for instance if you wanted to accept bitcoin or tusk for payment as a retailer you know, I'm a co-founder. I don't own Tusk. There's no, you know, I don't own Tusk. There's not a company here. It's a decentralized project. Anybody can participate. Um, and a decentralized project is somewhere between like a nonprofit and a co-op is, I guess, the best way to describe it because it's like a new thing. Decisions about how that that network are made on the gov on governance are done via voting on a blockchain um, through a proposal process. It's all done on software and software that everybody can look at and read and, and see what's going on. And so I always like to tell retailers that, you know, using and accepting, for instance, for payments, decentralized cryptocurrencies, you're pulling out the middlemen between you and your customer. So right now, if you're using a third-party payment provider, it's going through a whole myriad of third-party banks that are settling between one another, that dollar transaction. And and every time you have a bunch of middlemen in the middle of things, those middlemen can stop things, mm -hmm. um, whether it's political or otherwise. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you accept Tusk, for instance, uh, as a payment or even Bitcoin as a payment, no one can shut you down. Mm -hmm. okay. No one can stop you. If, if, I, if I hated you, Hank, and I don't hate you, but mm -hmm. what if I say I hated you and I said, I don't want anybody using Tusk to buy those stinky patches on his website. Uh -huh, thank you. Know, you. <laughs> I, there's no way I could stop it. Right, there's right. Nothing, there's nothing in the software mm -hmm. that could prevent that transaction from mm -hmm. going through. And so that's the difference. And, and decentralized cryptocurrencies are essentially an insurance policy against being deplatformed and debanked on, on the payment side. Now, there's a lot of other benefits for using Tusk that we could get into later. Uh, mm -hmm. the, economically, it's still better than cre credit cards on top of that. It's cheaper mm -hmm. and faster and things. Mm -hmm. But the key is you can't be stopped by a political activist bank yeah. or a meddlesome politician that may hate what you do for a living. And that's the difference between credit cards and centralized credit cards and centralized banking and decentralized cryptocurrencies for payments. Okay. So, um, so Steve, you know, I think that like what we all realize, these are end runs that they're trying to do, right? On the constitution Correct. and all that. And, and they're like, okay, well, this is how we could cut it off. We can't get them here. We get them there. How, how did you, what was your thought process on this? And how did you, you know, how did you decide to incorporate this into your business? Um, and, and how's it working for you? Uh, so out of the many 
uh, tens of thousands of transactions, you know, we have had maybe some, uh, you know, dozens of transactions. So it's a very, very small amount of, uh, of, of our, uh, you know, transactions over many years that, you know, people actually use it. And I think that's because all these uh, notions that we've discussed are, are good and, and they are valuable, but there is a barrier to getting into uh, this and it's a technological barrier and it's also um, uh, a, a, a like a risk preference kind of barrier. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is when you're taking out the middlemen and all these counterparties, you're assuming all the risk for holding and then using it correctly, and and I'm, I'm referring to the cryptocurrencies here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a that that's a learning curve, you know. That, that's it's fairly steep uh, if you are just you know a casual user of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, in a former life, I you know former manufacturing life, another business, I used to make. Um, uh, in institutional computer parts and indirect liquid cooling systems for server farms. Okay. So I actually, I was proximate to the computer industry. So when I saw in 2009, actually I saw it in 2010, I wasn't that early of an adopter, but I, what attracted me to it was the fact that it's permissionless and it's immutable. Mm-hmm. So immut- immutable means you can't alter the transaction. So if you make one, even if it's an error, Uh, You can't undo it. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of folks have to get their head around that. Um, And and like what Rob was saying, you know, about, uh, you know, censor censoring or deplatforming or interfering Mm -hmm. materially with your with your business and your transactions. That is a benefit, uh, you know, to to be able to prevent that. But Mm -hmm. then you also have to take responsibility. And, you know, I, I remember. Uh, 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 a Catholic friend telling me how bad free will sucks <laughs> because it puts the responsibility on you, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, where it yeah, should be, there's the, for adoption, for adoption's sake, right? Yeah, you know, there's there has to be, you know, there, it's gonna, it's still gonna be a very long time, I think, before we get this. And mm-hmm. the 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 uh, trailblazers like Rob and 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 others, you know, I think are, are definitely moving us towards that goal. Yeah. So what do we, it sounds like we're, you know, um, is it adoption, I guess? Is, is that a good word? That's the problem? Well, like right now you can go down to the bank, right? Open mm-hmm. up a bank account, mm-hmm. <clears throat> take the paper mm-hmm. and metal you have in your pocket, deposit it, use a debit card. And, you know, mm-hmm. so the friction is a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I use the word friction, I guess, because it's just so highly available, right? Mm-hmm. There's banks everywhere. There's ATMs everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then these little mm-hmm. plastic cards that are antiquated are mm-hmm. in your wallet. <clears throat> Everybody's used to it. But this notion of a, you know, a asymmetric encrypted unit of value. Yeah, it's so scary. <laughs> <that carries laughs> with, yeah. And, and it, we've it, seen it, horror stories like what happened to Rich, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And, you know, then then the fact that the coin, the Bitcoin, doesn't exist in the mm-hmm. physical world necessarily. It's electrons and mm-hmm. in a very specific order. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is, you know, I think that's the, the, the biggest impediment. And so it's like, you know, because I, I don't know how many times I've had a conversation with just friends, casual, you know, and they ask, well, how can I get into Bitcoin? I explain it to them. It's like next topic, you know, done. They're, they're, even just the acquisition of it. And of course, mm-hmm. I don't want to sell mine, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know. Uh, the acquisition of it is very, um, uh, it's protracted. Okay. So once you, so you're saying once you try to explain, that's where you lose them or, uh, basically because they're, they're, 
<clears throat> so the, in order to convert like a dollar into into some into some amount of Bitcoin, face-to-face transactions are a little bit. Um, I mean, they're, they're the easiest way, and that's mm-hmm. that's how I have done it. And, and mm-hmm. then, of course, I accumulate it through um, my business, but again, on a very very low scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the what Rob is doing in terms of making this 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 system that you know is a plug-and-play system for websites, you know, in e-commerce. I think that is going to move things uh, much quicker uh, because when somebody goes and sells a holster and they have the option of somebody paying in, in, a, in a cryptocurrency or Tusk in this case, I think that is the way that's going to drive adoption because then once they have that value, once they have that unit of account, mm-hmm. they're going to look to spend it mm-hmm. okay? because that that's what money – is it's the most saleable product, mm-hmm. okay? And so, it, and, but but it has you have to also have the component that you're going to be able to use it again. Otherwise, it has no value. Okay. So if all transactions were to stop, if mm-hmm. all commerce were to stop, value of money would go to zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, you know, I think that's that's the big thing, right? Mm-hmm. I th- it, it's maybe just programmed into our genetics or something. To be afraid of trying something new, jumping in, right. you're going to mess up, you're going to make mistakes, uh, and it's going to cost you money if you do. You yeah. Know? So that's that's you know there's 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 a, but but again I think that you know as if we can kind of pull it mm-hmm. you know instead of push it I think that'll work uh, better in the long run. Yeah. And 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 I'm going to piggyback a little bit on Steve again. Is that we knew all that going in because mm-hmm. Bitcoin is like the the Model T, it's the Ford, it's the first car. It's also the most adopted. It's got the best name recognition. Everybody's heard of it, but it also is very low tech. It, it's very hard to use. It's very unforgiving. Um, when we built Tuck, uh, Tusk, we went we, we designed it to be a lot easier to use, and we're going to be adding a lot of features over the next year, um, especially on our roadmap to make it super easy to use. So one of the things that are complicated when you're moving um, Bitcoin around or some of these other types of cryptocurrencies is you have this long number of, you know, which is the wallet address, which is really complicated and Mm -hmm. unforgiving. Um, On our blockchain, we have human readable names and account names. So you can set up, you know, uh, Salentium or whatever, um, silencers or whatever is your account name. So you're not going to make a mistake with this long gibber, gibberish encryption hash, as they mm. call it, which is the wallet address. Um, so I think uh, over time, one of the other things that's kind of unforgiving is that if you lose your keys to your account in crypto, you're toast. Um, we're going to be working on a system for key recovery. Um, and where that's a ways out because to do that right, it's going to be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also working on digital ID integration with Project Hydro, um, which we think might be helpful to pre-fill out, say, 4473 forms. Not that we're tracking what's on the 4473, but if someone comes to you and say, I want to pay with Tusk, um, and we haven't built this yet, but we're working on it because um, we just announced this partnership with this other crypto project that mm-hmm. um, so someone brings their wallet over and they can just scan it at the retailer and automatically downloads their 4473 data um, and fills out their form because there's a lot of mistakes with 4473 forms um, that can be a compliance nightmare for FFLs. Um, and in addition, we're looking at doing some things like escrow. 
uh, features. So, um, like Steve was mentioning that if you make a mistake sending something, uh, you know, that it's unforgiving, we're going to work on that too. So as a crypto project, one of the things that we like to do, which is hard with a lot of other crypto projects is we're trying to bring like a basket of resources, um, to bear that, uh, any retailer can use to integrate accepting crypto. So that's not just like, you know, the, uh, you know, this is how this is your account, but how do you deal with the tax piece? Because, you know, uh, crypto accounting is very different than normal dollar accounting. Thank you, Mr. IRS. Um, uh, and how do you get in and out of it with crypto? So hmm. how do you get your initial cryptos? So another thing we're doing, we're going to be partnering with an ATM network. So for certain retailers, not only we're going to bring them into Tusk, um, but we're going to bring in a crypto ATM into their lobby, um, which may help people get crud, pay them with Tusk. But on top of that, the idea is that if the retailer wants to accept Tusk, um, it'll actually make transaction time shorter for them to receive their money. So for right now, with normal credit card processing, you might need to rate, wait anywhere from three to seven days, typically, for Visa to give you your money. Okay. Um, well, with crypto, once the account is approved and verified, you actually have your money. It's already in your wallet. So mm -hmm. on Tusk, our um, our confirmation times are about two and a half seconds on average. So so think of it this way for like a mom and pop retailer. Um, uh, they want to accept Tusk um, for a purchase. Um, they have a crypto ATM in their lobby. The minute that uh, transaction is approved, uh, they can literally walk over to the ATM and get cash out of their ATM. And so the idea is that it could actually increase cash flow because you don't have to wait for that ACH from Visa or MasterCard or, you know, um, American Express. Hmm. So it actually speeds things up in our network. Um, uh, the, the transaction fee is only a half a percent. Uh, and so it's even way cheaper than credit cards. It's just as fast as credit cards. But getting people on board, it is a little clunkier and harder. And so some of the things they're working on over the next year is being able to make it really easy for people like retailers to actually onboard their customers. So kind of our strategy for getting people to use our crypto is we're going to be training retailers and educating them and giving them all the education materials so that they got and basically discount and incentivize their own customers to pay them in Tusk. It eliminates their chargeback risk because there's no chargebacks on Tusk at all, which is a big problem for a lot of gun retailers, especially the custom gun builders out there when people get impatient after a year waiting for their, you know, <laughs> unicorn lollipop <laughs> block 19, yeah. right? Right. Uh, so sometimes they do chargebacks and because mm -hmm. uh, the gun industry is considered red flag, they don't get appeals mm -hmm. um, for those chargebacks typically. Mm. Uh, so you figure just on the economics, a half a percent transaction fee, no chargeback, instant settlement. So you can cruise your cash flow and it's an insurance policy against debanking and being deplatformed in case Visa, you know, decides to partner with the. Uh, Biden and uh, shut you off mm -hmm. um, from that expensive thing. And on top of those, there's no monthly maintenance fees. So I know a lot of retailers in the gun space, and this is why um, they're really interested in, in crypto is because, and they have a hard time with credit card processing because not only are they paying higher, you know, um, per transaction fees on those credit cards, but typically what they're finding is they're also having to pay monthly maintenance fees just to have the account open. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why a lot of retailers want to go to third-party payment providers like PayPal and stuff because they're not paying a monthly typically mm -hmm. um, and they don't have to pay a monthly with us. So uh, just on the economics of it, it's worth trying to go through that learning curve. Okay. Um, and over time, 
that learning curve is going to get smaller because we're, we're working really hard as a project because I am not a developer. I am an entrepreneur. And I, my first focus is making this as easy as possible for people to use. And, and it's going to take another six, 12 months to get there because we know all the work we need to do to get there. But I can tell you that is our main focus of bringing cryptocurrency and decentralized technology to the industries that need it most. And right now, it's the, it's the gun industry in the United States. Okay. So let me do this because we have Steve for a limited time. I want to let Steve get questions and, and make comments here because you know he's he's someone we know doing this for a business steve just feel free to jump in here if you have any questions sure uh the one thing too that that benefits this industry uh from cryptocurrencies uh is privacy so mm-hmm. when you buy a glock 19 with your credit card there's not only the 4473 that you'll ultimately do which is you know for government compliance but the credit card company has your name, age, you know, date of birth, mm-hmm. and you know all that information, and then they know exactly what you just bought, mm-hmm. and they sell that data. That in fact, that that information is extremely valuable, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's actually you know highly behavioral, um, and they also correlate that data with other data points like your location and everything else that your phone. excuse me, is constantly beaming. So cryptocurrencies also give you uh, incredibly more privacy Mm -hmm. in your transactions. And as a result of that, you you will not have your your behavior and your data uh, being bought and sold by nameless parties. Mm -hmm. Like, Like it's happening on social media and stuff like that. Um, and think of the integration there too, the integration mm-hmm. between your social media and the fact that you just bought a Glock 19. Uh-huh. I mean, <clears throat> this is, this is, I mean, it, it, you know, pre- predictable analytics and things like mm-hmm. that. I mean, these, these things are real because of the data streams that mm-hmm. they're plugged into. Yeah. So let me ask this because for, for a lot of folks out there that don't know, including myself, uh, where to start. And I would try to ask, uh, I'm going to start with, with Rich here and let him jump in. How did you get into this, Rich, if you can, real quick? And then I'll, I'll find out from Steve and Rob. How did you, what was your first time getting into cryptocurrencies? Okay, so we're talking about mining Bitcoin, and I guess it was almost 10 years ago now. Uh, so a buddy of mine was talking about it. I started looking into it, and I was like, wow, I could make money by doing tech stuff, and I like doing tech stuff. So I actually built uh, a mining rig, uh, two motherboards, four video cards, each one with custom-built liquid-cooled water blocks and a Ford Fiesta radio. (laughs) And and things putting out like, you know, 1,500 BTUs. So when I was in Minnesota, it was heat in the house, you know. Mm. So there was a side benefit to that. Um, It's, you know, it's techie. It's interesting. So the thing that people have to understand, like I work for a company now. I don't even see a check. I don't get a check. I don't go to the bank and cash a check. All that happens is there's some mystical transaction out there. Could be Bitcoin, could be Tusk, could be anything. And all of a sudden I can buy things on Amazon and they get delivered to my house. Mm -hmm. So the whole, as much faith, as we have in the American dollar in that EFT transfer from, you know, the company I work for to my bank to Amazon, that's how Bitcoin, Tusk, all of this other stuff works. 
And I think we need to start understanding that it's not all that complicated, just like I had to get a bank account, a credit card, whatever. You get a Bitcoin wallet, Tusk wallet, and then the retailer, like if I buy from the Hank Strange FFL, Hank Strange has a wallet just like I do. And if I have a firearm sent to you and I you know, do the financial transaction with you, boom, it's all set. Or you know, I buy something you want to sell me, that Henry uh, rifle for $900 <laughs> that's right. out of my range. Mm-hmm. I, I could just say, okay, I'm sending you the money now. I'll come over and pick it up on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it's just that simple. People, it's really not a complicated thing. Um, I, I think, well, in fact, all the banks are actually going to a blockchain-based accounting system. Okay. So whether you think or don't think you're transacting through a blockchain, you actually are. Okay. All right. That's so that. the thing about all of this mm-hmm. is like Steve was saying, the bank isn't going to F you when it sees you're buying and selling Glocks or SHTF-50s or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Your data isn't going to get sold. You're not going to be on a list. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, like if, if you're afraid of selling um, something and getting a chargeback, there's no chargeback. There's no clawback on the finances. Mm-hmm. So that that's a big deal. And, you know, like my corner FFL, anybody's corner FFL, their their credit card processing company could cut them off any time for any reason. Mm-hmm. OK, like if the two bad guys come in and buy guns like two known bad guys, but they clear the background check mm-hmm. and they're like, hey, those guys were terrorists or fill in the blank. And they're like, you're you're supplying firearms to terrorists. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You're done. Chase Manhattan's no longer going to process your credit card. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, very interesting. Um, Steve, with you, how did you first get into this? Uh, tangentially, you know, just like most things. I, I, uh, I had read a few articles about it uh, uh, in, in, in a more techie kind of uh, – uh, article and um, it piqued my curiosity. I've always used uh, encryption and uh, just in communications and and those those types of affairs. So when I saw, um, you know, this this uh, uh, applying a, encryption to transactions, you know, and making the transactions themselves, you know, a, a long chain of these encryption of these uh, encrypt, encrypted pairs, you know. A, um, it it, uh, it it definitely piqued my curiosity, and then as I learned more about it, I, I never mind any of it or anything like that. But the gatekeepers of Bitcoin at, at that particular point in time, because nobody really and nobody fully understood it, you know, the, the barrier to entry and the you know things like that were, was much lower. I mean, so you could you know buy it on eBay, you know, mm-hmm. with PayPal before anybody knew what the heck you were doing, mm-hmm. and of course the price of Bitcoin at that particular point in time was concomitant with something of low value. Um, so that's how I, I, I got into it. But then as I started to understand more about it, um, it, it, it just it, it seemed like that silver bullet that that, you know, freedom is great. And and, and and it's what God gave us. And if you don't believe in God, it's a function of your humanity. Uh, and, and so 
people, human action is, is buying and selling and it's exchange of ideas. Mm -hmm. And the more you limit that and draw geopolitical boundaries around it and the, and the more you, uh, tax it so that you get less of it, the more you extinguish human spirit mm -hmm. and, and that, you know, on the, on the, on a, hundred thousand feet level, you know, philosophical level mm -hmm. is what is so attractive about it. Um, and, and, uh, that's one of the reasons I wanted to offer it as a, as a, as a, you know, put my money where my mouth is kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I wanted to offer people the ability to purchase, um, uh, you know, with that, uh, that medium. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance, Rob. How did you, how did you, uh, get involved with this? I'm curious. I've never done any of this stuff, even have, after having uh, spoken to you, I'm trying to, I want to sit down and wrap my head around it and maybe dip my toe in the water, put a couple of bucks out there and do it. How did you get into this? So I, I've known about Bitcoin or I had known about Bitcoin for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I was like a, a lot of people, I was, you know, very suspicious about it. And I didn't like some of the early promoters, like the people I was, that were really kind of you know, telling people to buy Bitcoin, it's the future. We're like these guys, like literally living in their mom's basements. And I don't take financial advice from people living in their mom's basements. Just mm -hmm. not a good practice, I found. Um, and so I was always a little suspicious about it. And, you know, I can then it was like $12. And I, I think I got into it or started learning about it was like $8 roughly. Mm -hmm. So much later than what Steve, you know, kind of came into it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, finally, um, I started meeting, I once started going to some crypto meetups in, in the Salt Lake area. And I met some people that were really smart. Not just like crazy, like like liberty type activists, but guys that were really, really dialed in and they explained it to me and I started getting closer to it. And I'm like, so basically I had a guy that held my hand and my wife and I threw some money in it to invest in some different crypto projects, not just Bitcoin, but a bunch of other ones. Um, and it was kind of funny and that was a whirlwind because that was in, man, I didn't even start investing in crypto until 2017. So I'm a latecomer, okay. um, but I'm an early, but once, um, but I also like to dive deep into new things. Um, mm -hmm. And every time I've dived into something, so literally from the time I first got my first crypto, six months later we had already started a new, our own crypto project. I pulled a team together, and so I, I take deep dives and okay. I jump in <laughs> head first. Um, mm -hmm. And and that's what we did with crypto. So I was a latecomer into crypto. I knew about it, but I didn't actually pull the trigger on it till you know probably early 2017. Okay. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys want to move into a different section of the conversation here. Um, what, what do you think we can do with this? You know, what are the applications for this? Uh, where can we use this in the firearms industry? You know, I mean, maybe, Steve, you're, you're in the firearms industry and you're using it. Uh, do you see other people in the industry doing what you're doing or...? Uh, I don't know. I haven't really looked around and I haven't had an opportunity to really proselytize, mm -hmm. you know, about mm -hmm. uh, cryptocurrency with other manufacturers and things like mm -hmm. that. Uh, things are so hectic, especially right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the one thing I did want to say, though, is that in recent news, PayPal mm -hmm. has is going to offer Bitcoin conversion soon. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that's going to look like, but. The conversation we're having now, and it's like, okay, you know, so we've explained how great it is. Now, how do I go get it? Mm -hmm. That's going to be significant, uh, even though, you know, there will be some traceability if you do purchase it. Mm -hmm. uh, there are ways around that, but that's for a different top. That's a whole different mm -hmm. topic. Mm -hmm. But, you know, basically, 
you know, if, if, if Bitcoin or I'm sorry, if PayPal does integrate Bitcoin like they say they're about to, mm-hmm. um, then you'll be able to have a PayPal account and then convert into uh, Bitcoin mm-hmm. and, and then presumably move that off PayPal and into your own private wallet. Um, and so that I think will also help if that is the case, I, yeah. I, you know, it's anybody's guess, yeah. it, you know, that, but that's, that's gonna, that's gonna help. I just worry about PayPal, right. With their activist nature, uh, where are they going with that? Right. But I, I mean, just in terms Ooh. of getting, so if, if, if it's easier for people to get it and let's say in your case, you're banned, right. Mm-hmm. You're like, Hey Steve, you know, I really want Bitcoin, you know, and I have a PayPal account. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I could be the, the, the party that helps you buy it, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more accessibility, I think, if, if, if PayPal is, in fact, going to do that, the mm-hmm. better. I mean, because mm-hmm. you can still follow transactions, right, because mm-hmm. they're on a public blockchain. Mm-hmm. So if you can identify that I know for sure Steve Lovis, uh, uh, you know, spent this particular uh, Bitcoin on X, Y, Z, and you have that, you know, location in the Bitcoin. In the in the blockchain, you can follow, you can trace it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it so it's not it's not 100% private as long unless you adopt the right practices, which mm-hmm. is a whole again a whole different topic. Okay. But that will if, if PayPal does uh, integrate it, that's going to be a that's going to be a big shot in the arm. In fact, the the price of Bitcoin has reflected. You know, they're, they're pricing that in right now, basically. Oh, okay, yeah, it. Uh, it- uh, lens towards legitimizing it. Rob, I know you have a comment. I also want to get this in here. Uh, Len Holt says, does Rob think that blockchain is being developed now for control purposes or some form of tracking? The established financial system has done its best to throttle it. And then, of course, you know, it's kind of like what I would add to that. It's kind of like how um, Instagram, TikTok was coming along kicking Instagram's butt and then Instagram goes, oh, we'll make our own kind of uh, TikTok. We'll call it Reels. <laughs> and I think there's lots of, like we're talking about PayPal, they're looking at things going on and go, oh, okay, yeah, this is getting more and more popular. We want to buy into the real estate of this somehow. Um, what's your take on that, Rob? Well, well, first and foremost, I absolutely agree with Steve. I think uh, PayPal allowing people to uh, make purchases of Bitcoin is a very bullish thing, a very good thing for the adoption and spreading awareness of crypto. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that PayPal is not going to change their position in their terms of service on guns so Mm -hmm. people can buy Bitcoin with PayPal, and then they can move it over to Tusk to buy a gun. Mm. So I view it as a really good thing because okay. I don't really view either Bitcoin <laughs> yeah. or I view PayPal as a competitor. But in this case, I think yeah. they're going to be a competitor that helps us grow. Yeah, Rob did. Um, uh, Steve did this. Don't don't tell the tactics. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so they're not going to change in terms of service. Mm-hmm. And um, I think uh, to answer your question about tracking, um, one of the things that I I believe in, I believe right now we are kind of in. A technology arms race mm-hmm. um, between the centralizing um, people that want to centralize and become the gatekeepers of technology, including mm-hmm. cryptocurrencies, mm-hmm. and now um, the people that are trying to push out the decentralized versions. And so uh, you have to ask yourself, would you rather, you know, if you were a retailer and say in the gun industry, would you rather um, work on a network that was built by gun guys for gun guys 
um, to solve a real problem, or would you want to just take, uh, you know, JP Morgan coin, mm -hmm. for instance? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying you can't, but I'm saying is, as far as the technologies of blockchain, I absolutely believe they'll be weaponized against us. And I absolutely believe if you look at the way Silicon Valley is completely totalitarian, they're mm -hmm. they're anti-free speech, mm -hmm. um, and they're absolutely in bed with, you know, the well, let's just say the Biden uh, group. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to call them an administration yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you go through and look at it, yes, I think there's a problem there because <clears throat> we already know that those Silicon Valley folks do not support free speech and they're the ones that absolutely are getting bad. So right now, Cash App is run you know, by Jack Dorsey of Twitter. And so we know damn well that uh, they do not believe in free speech on Twitter whatsoever, and they are definitely anti-gun mm -hmm. um, by any stre every stretch of the imagination. So, um, so I believe it's like this: we need to get cryptocurrencies, the decentralized cryptocurrencies. And like, I'm going to step back. I mean, I'm very bullish and excited about what I'm working on with Tusk. But if Tusk doesn't make it, and Bitcoin is the only one, and they can scale and they can figure out some of the problems of why Bitcoin's not great for retail, and they can fix those, I'll support Bitcoin being that decentralized blockchain that does that because I know that at least either Tusk or Bitcoin or some of the other projects out there that are decentralized, they're not controlled by Silicon Valley. They're not controlled by the Chinese government. Um, and to me, I'm trying to look at the big picture five, 10 years from now. Um, uh, is everything controlled and tracked like it is in China, in the United States? And then we're heading in that direction. And so to me, you know, help us get out there, help us get out there and get adopted because the cryptos that are actually adopted for payments are the ones that are going to be the powerful ones, that whole first to market advantage. Um, right now, I know, for instance, many central banks are working on technology to build their own crypto coins um, and cryptocurrency projects. You have the U.S. dollar, which is going to be Fed coin. Mm -hmm. um, they're all coming. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, you know, we need to get out there first. We yeah. got to get people using us first and, and learning how to use and work with Tusk because we are not part of that system and we do believe in decentralization. So I think ultimately crypto is coming. Mm -hmm. Blockchain technology is coming. It will be ubiquitous. It will be everywhere. The question is, is it run by people for centralized purposes or is it run by decentralized? Or are they decentralized projects that are taking hold or centralized projects? That's the arms race. Okay, yep. um, so any any comments on that from uh, from from Steve or or Rich? You guys have any comment on what was said there? Nope, that covers it. Okay, so what <laughs> what are the problems with Bitcoin? It's very uh, slow. It does not scale. Scalability for um, you know. 50 transactions per second or mm -hmm. 5,000 transactions per second. It's, it's, it's too, it's, it's a, it's like a, it's like trying to steer uh, the Titanic. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the beautiful part about the, uh, the cryptocurrency space is that you have innovators that are using the model and then adapting the model for very specific markets, as in the case with Tusk, mm -hmm. but they're also solving the problems that is inher are inherent, you know, with Bitcoin. And 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 you know, the Bitcoin has forked I don't know how many times, um, and that's when you know the the chain splits. Mm -hmm. uh, so, what does that? What um, I'm sorry. What does that mean when the chain splits? Uh, so if, if uh, it's actually, a, it's, I think Rich could answer that better. It's, it has to do with the, the miners and the people who are actually, you know, uh, the, the nodes that are 
in the network itself. Mm-hmm. So, but and that's not that's not really a huge okay. issue. You know, it doesn't take it doesn't take anything away from you. Mm-hmm. In fact, if if the if the fork works well and you're you own Bitcoin before that fork. You actually get whatever forks down on, uh, you know, forks after that. So if that turns out to be a really good fork, you benefit from it. So is it so like it a stock split kind of a thing? Yeah, you could almost look at yeah. it that way. Okay. I, I can I can explain it in a way that people understand it now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because so I can tell Steve is a super smart guy, um, and I'm gonna bet you're an engineer, aren't you? I'm actually an economist and a statistician, but close. <laughs> I, I can tell you're smart, right? So essentially, um, he's not—he's not your average gun guy that I've met. And I know that some gun no, guys are going to get I mad. Tell. And, and, yeah, he's not—he's yeah, not caveman and, and, type like me. <laughs> I'm a recovering corporate MBA, so oh, okay. I can relate. Um, but uh, this is how I look at it. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, there's different types of codes. And there's different types of blockchains. So Bitcoin is what they call a proof-of-work blockchain. And so what happens in a proof-of-work blockchain, there's not a lot of communication between the people running it, the computers that run it. They're mm-hmm. all independently run, these nodes as they call them. But they're just computer servers that people run to help support the network. And then the transactions go in a ring almost, and, and, and they all agree on these transactions. And then it becomes part of the permanent record. But here's the thing. If the community wants to change something in that code, a majority of the computers have to agree to that code change and then basically redeploy the new version of the software. Mm -hmm. But if a certain number of the people don't want to agree to those changes, it kind of splits off and that's a fork. And so I would argue, at least with Bitcoin, some of those, they call it a fork, but just say the blockchain split. Like one group decided we want to change this Mm -hmm. and one group says, I don't want to change it. And they Uh, go off and kind of do their own version now. It's like different factions. almost or something like that. Absolutely. They're very contentious. And I would argue that those contentious forks are bad for those proof of work blockchains like Bitcoin um, because it fractures the communities Mm. around them that support them and that splits them up and and things like that. So all a fork is, it's a split in the software. It's basically a split in the community running that blockchain. Hmm. Okay. Right. Okay, I think that I think I could wrap my head around that a little bit. I could wrap my head up. So, because I know we've got like a, a um, I don't know, less than ten minutes left with Steve. What I can continue, I can continue yeah. on. That's not a problem. Oh, you can't. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm really. I'm fascinated by this because you know, Steve, we kind of like dropped you in this. Uh, John Crump uh, hooked us, linked us up together, and then we were having Rob come on. And we're like, oh, maybe you should come on too. But I'm fascinated by, I know what Rob's mission here is with Tusk, and you're an actual, actually a retailer out there. And it seems to me like you kind of like this idea, which in my brain, when Rob was telling me, I was like, these gun people, they're going to be very resistant to this. Well, yeah, I can see, I, I know I know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. that culture and stuff, but, uh, and, and that, that may be the case. I, I'm not sure. I can't promise you anything there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'm going to be following Tusk now uh, very, very carefully. It just, it just hasn't been on my radar. My mm-hmm. radar sucks because I've been so backlogged with mm-hmm. work. Yeah. But, it's uh, been a crazy year for the firearms industry. Oh, 2020, yeah. Yeah, yeah just, just bananas. And, of course, we had a, we, had, we did our we do a major sale uh, once a year and we decided to do it early because of the election and we didn't want to, you know, roll the dice mm-hmm. on the, on the probabilities of something going south. <laughs> so we, 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 we had our sale early and it was Good a call. success, but yeah. it was a, it was quite a painful one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So what are the things that you're thinking here? Just like top of the head kind of stuff. Like what questions would you have for Rob? Um, and, and Rich, if you if you have some questions, too, I know you were on uh, yesterday on John Crump's podcast, which I recommend everyone go take a look at that. I think you guys did a great job. I looked at it. Uh, what, what would you guys questions be for Rob that you're trying to find out? And even people here in the audience, if you're just joining us, because I know that there's something massive going on with YouTube. <laughs> Our audience has been shut down to like around 40 people. For this whole time, oh, wow. which is really, that's not what usually happens here. Um, so I, I see everyone commenting about that's something happening with YouTube, but we're recording this separately outside of YouTube. So I've got complete ownership over it. Um, yeah. What, so, go ahead. Well, okay, uh, that uh, there, there's a bunch of merchant platforms that Tusk is available for. So Rob, you want to go into a little more detail on that? Because I think that's a key element. Yeah. So uh, we don't have the plugins yet, but we will have those the beginning of the year. So okay. uh, of 2021. So we're going to be integrating with the uh, I, I can't we haven't done the official announcement yet, so I can't like spoil who it is. But we're partnering with a company like Coin Payments mm -hmm. um, to provide all the the little plugins for the shopping cart uh, software. So we'll have uh, basically WooCommerce and Instacart and Shopify and some other uh, for the non FFLs because uh, Shopify hates FFL. Uh, mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. um, so we'll have uh, at least six probably by the middle of the first quarter rolled out and deployed so people who have those different shopping cart softwares can easily just integrate Tusk um, for those that uh, and, and some people do more manual things so if people wanted to do a manual transaction for Tusk they could do that now um, and, and they could set up an account for free today on Tusk and get some Tusk off an exchange and then they can transact for Tusk right now Okay. And, and for what's the best description for the folks out there, if someone's just joining us right now, of Tusk? How do we explain what it is to someone out there? Just a digital commerce payments project or that's designed to move and facilitate. I don't like using those yeah. long words. It's like, bit, it's, it's, it's like Bitcoin, like Bitcoin, but for, for the firearms guns. industry. Yeah. yeah. It's like Bitcoin for guns. You know what? I hate, I hate leveraging other people's brands. I said it. I said it. Everybody's heard the word Bitcoin. It's interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, I went to SHOT Show this year and mm -hmm. I went to Gun Rights Policy last year and the NRA convention last year. Everybody's heard the word Bitcoin. And even in the gun community, even with these older FUD kind of guys, right, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they really do have heard, they have heard, but most of them think it's a scam. Mm -hmm. That seems to be like in a lot of the, the 2A community, at least the older 2A community, and you know how it is mm -hmm. in the 2A community, mm -hmm. Steve, right? There's there's definitely right. different kind of... Everything the, is a conspiracy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, so, and half of it is. Uh, <laughs> well, about a third of it is. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but... Uh, but 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 essentially, it's just a new way to do payments that is not is not basically you know denominated in dollars, but a different type of currency. Okay, and we're we're right now on the ground floor, right? Um, how Correct. how many different uh, businesses are out there already using Tusk as we speak? We're just in our alpha, so we just have a handful right now. Okay. We got about a dozen that have committed once we have the payment gateways up. Mm -hmm. um, 
but on our roadmap, we're focused on doing what we call the on like our onboarding push for retailers isn't mm-hmm. going to be till next summer. So that's okay. when we will figure we'll have not only is it get the, we need those little plugins for the e-commerce, pay, you know, the, mm-hmm. they're called payment gateways, these little these shopping cart software plugins. Um, we need to you know, we got to develop a bunch of uh, educational content as well. So we're mm-hmm. going to be making a lot of explainer videos, for instance. Um, we're finalizing uh, some exchange partners in the United States because right now we're only traded on international exchanges um, and we're in negotiations with a couple of domestic um, exchanges because the, the American exchanges are the most regulated, but they're also the most trustworthy, but they're the most picky. So they're really hard to get on. And so what we're working on that. So right now, this year and you know, the first part of next year is all about um, building out our infrastructure and building out liquidity. And that was alluded to earlier is mm-hmm. that people need to feel like if a retailer feels like they're going to accept Tusk, they may not want to hold it as an investment. They are, they may need to sell it and, you know, be able to turn it back into cash at some point. So we're building up that liquidity now. So, you know, by, you know, early part of next summer, we shouldn't have any problems with liquidity. Um, and that'll make it more comfortable for uh, retailers on board. In addition, you know, we're bringing things like tax bid and some of the accounting pieces to it. And we want to bring the ATM networks into some of these larger retailers so they can cash out really quick on the fly. So there's a whole lot of pieces that kind of come together. Together, um, before we do our real big out, you know, outpouring and push to the mm-hmm. the, the gun retailer world, um, but that's we're just kind of getting the word out now that this is what's coming, and and I think especially with what it looks like the outcome of this election, I think it can't come fast enough. Yeah. Right. So just for folks out there, if you want to know, uh, I know Len Holt says uh, translation the very beginning. Yes, the very beginning of this early stages, which is a, a good thing and a bad thing, right? I think it's a, it's a good thing in terms of if you're out there and you want to know about this, you, you're going to find uh, Rob, for example, very uh, cooperative in terms of explaining things to people and all that kind of stuff right now at, at this moment. The bad thing, so for example, Rob, you cold called me, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, he just, I don't know how you did it. You looked up on the internet. I think my number is out there for this reason, so that people could reach out to me. But my first thing was, I was like, dude, I don't know if you're scamming me or not. You know, I'm not trying. And and it was funny because, like, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I I said, look, I'm not here to sell you anything. Mm -hmm. And I haven't tried to sell you anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But but I think that's the difference. That's another difference between Tusk and, say, Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. There's no one from the Bitcoin project, for the most part, that's going to go to SHOT Show, mm-hmm. that's going to go to NRA, mm-hmm. that's going to go to Gun Rights Policy, or cold call you mm-hmm. to get you to like work with you know, and promote it. And so I think that's the big difference is that we designed our crypto project around helping onboard retailers, um, whereas some of these you know other projects like you know uh, like Bitcoin, they just don't have anybody that can do it. There's just they're not structured that way. Yeah, and by the way, just if anyone wants to know, I asked Rob like tell me, give me some references, and I think you gave me three people who I know and trust in the firearms industry. I reached out to all of them. One of them was John Crump. He said he wrote an article or interviewed you about a year ago, and then there's some other folks out there that I reached out while we were talking. You know, and I said, hey, do you you guys ever heard of this dude? (laughs) So I got back good things and that's why we're here. But if folks out there want to know more about you, you know, if they don't want to take my word for it, I think this is really important. What can they do to find out uh, about you and Tusk, for example? 
So me, uh, I am all over the interwebs, um, and you can just Google my name, Rob McNeely, or go to robmcneely.com. I also do a podcast as well. Um, and you can even see that, you know, at one point I actually ran for Congress in Colorado like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And even then you could look up that at that time, I was the only candidate in the 2010 election in Colorado, like a hundred percent on the Rocky Mountain Gun Owners candidate survey, hundred percent. Um, 10 years ago, and they wouldn't publish it because I was registered as a libertarian. I wasn't a Republican, and that organization um, would not market yeah. libertarians. I'm pulling up your Twitter, by the way. I see you've got about 371K followers. Got a couple. Yeah, congratulations. Um, that's, actually, that's actually pretty cool for, for social um, media. Mm-hmm. And and so to me, I got a long history of being out there. So you can easily find me and verify that I've been mm-hmm. – very consistent on being a gun rights person and a gun guy for mm-hmm. more than a decade on social media. I, it's, I'm not new to this industry. I'm not just trying to like, you know, carpet bag and try to pitch, you know, some shit coin. Like I said, I can't sell you crypto if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I can't. I don't have any to sell you. If you want to buy Tusk at some point, you have to go buy it on an exchange from some random guy. Mm-hmm. I can't sell it to you. Um, but I think ultimately, if you want to learn about the project, uh, you could certainly go to Tusk.network, uh, which is just T-U-S-C.network. Um, mm-hmm. We also have a full set of socials for Tusk that are separate than my personal ones as well. Okay. And I'm, and I'm pulling up the website and stuff like that and sharing it with the folks um, that are out there right now as we speak. Steve, what are the kind of things you would want to know about this or, you know, what's your vision or questions that you would have if you were trying to incorporate something like Tusk? Um, one of the other uh, facets of, you know, Bitcoin is that there's a fixed number of them. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it is a more deflationary type you know, store value than an inflationary one, meaning it's going to gain value just by the sheer properties of, uh, of, 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 uh, there's only, there's a limited amount. And so right. my question for Rob is just in terms of the scaling of the network, is there a specific protocol for, you know, modest inflation, you know, for, so for newcomers, or is there just going to be one set amount? And then as you know, the popularity of it increases, so does the value. So um, we are we do have an inflation rate. Currently, that inflation rate is coded at five percent, um, and that's so we and we do not have a max circulating supply. So that is a little different than some other the cryptos. Now. I, there's arguments, pros and cons. Now, so one of the things that I always say is we're not building an investment. Now, it will go up in value, I think, if we're successful, mm-hmm. but that is not why we're building this. Um, why we're building it is a payment option. So, and I mentioned this a little bit on John Crump's last night. So, why do you have an inflation rate? Well, um, over time, as we get more popular and transactions start running through the network, those transactions will help pay to run the servers that run the network. Right now, especially when you're, we're basically, I like to think of us as like a startup, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you get a bunch of people that you don't know? or strangers around the world to set up a bunch of servers and pay to run servers to run a network um, for free. 
essentially. Mm-hmm. They have to do it on their own money. They got to spend their own money on top of setting it up to pay the rent on that server. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to incentivize them. And those servers are paid with block rewards every time a, a block is created on the network. And a block is, you know, um, all little transactions come through and they stack up into a block. And that block, think of it as like a trolley car. And then that block goes around the network, confirms, and now it's a permanent part of the train. And then every time that train gets connected and that new cart, then 238 tusks are created. And then those 238 tusks are divided into four pools, um, which pay for charity, which pay for developers, which pay for marketing, um, and which pay for the, the, the what we call the block producers. Block producers are the word we use for miners in our network. Um, and so I always tell people like this is like, money has a cost to manage. So if you look at like, you know, uh, paper money, they're all run by governments. And how do they pay for them? Well, they pay for them with taxes. Well, I don't have the ability to tax you. So if you look at it, like if um, I go buy something at the store, there's a tax taken out, right? Well, kind of, you know, that, that in part goes and pays for things like engraving plates and paper and someone moving that paper around and someone designing the money and all that. Because there's a huge cost to maintaining the the paper supply of U.S. dollars. So we knew that. And, and unfortunately, some crypto products have no funding mechanisms to pay for marketing. They have, you know, no funding mechanism to pay for developers. They just hope that they'll do it on the kindness of their heart and things of that nature. We find that, um, we built into our our project sustainable funding models for a variety of things. So one of the things we'll be rolling out um, in the future is a charity function. So we already have a split of block rewards and transactions fees that'll pay that are filling in this little um, this little pool of charity. And the idea over time, and I'm going to be ta- I've already kind of talked to Eric Pratt from Gun Owners, but the idea is that if you buy something with Tusk, there'll be a pool that'll be split between different charities in the space. So mm-hmm. when you buy something with Tusk, you're going to be funding maybe the Firearms Policy Coalition, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the long term plan with that. Um, and so you don't have that with other projects. Like you know, Bitcoin, or they just—they're mm-hmm. not structured that way. So we decided to structure things a little differently. Um, but to pay for that, you have to have a consistent long-term funding mechanism, and that inflation rate is what pays for that. Um, so again, some people like that, or don't get it, or don't like mm-hmm. it because they're—but they're also viewing it through the eyes of—they're viewing it as a speculative asset. But here's the downside. When you be, if you're building something to only be a speculative asset like Bitcoin, they call digital gold. The problem is no one wants to spend it because it can go up in money. If I hold <laughs> on to my Bitcoin, and by the way, I have Bitcoins. I got, I got Everyone's holding now. right now. Yeah, I, I spoke That's to all a, they do. I spoke to a friend recently who told me that he was in early, and I guess when it was worth I don't know a dollar fifty or something, he thought, oh goodness gracious, I got to sell this stuff. <laughs> And he's like, right. dude, I could have made like a hundred million dollars. I say, wow, really? So is that yeah. that's what's happening, right? Right. So that's part of the reason. But here's the thing: if you think about it, that's an impediment to adoption for mm-hmm. using it as a payment method. Mm-hmm. Because if people just think, if, if I hold on to this, I'm going to get rich. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend it. Mm-hmm. Well, right. we want people to spend Tusk. Mm-hmm. You know, there is that speculative asset or aspect to our asset, but. That is not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to be used as a currency. Mm -hmm. And we built features into it to act as a currency. And we wanted to do everything possible to encourage people spending it and accepting it rather than people viewing it as an investment only. Okay. 
Um, uh, so any any comments from anyone out there or questions before? I just I think that's actually much better than like you said, limiting the supply at the outset and causing it to just freeze. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. economically freeze. Right over what uh, Bitcoin is. So I think I think that's a right. good ex, uh, explanation of what's going on there. So if we could if we could just uh, switch kind of a little bit here. Um, if I could find out from you guys, I know I have some ideas, but I want to hear from you guys. What are the different ways that the firearms industry should be trying to decentralize, right, to create their own ecosystem? What's the ideas that you guys have? So whoever has ideas, go. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't they, weren't manufacturers talking about starting their own bank? Was there a company in Texas that was going to do their own credit card for the firearms industry in their own bank? Mm. I heard rumors or something to that effect, but mm. nothing that was like, ooh, I need to know more about it. So, yeah. 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 Even if, let's say, you know, Ruger, Remington, Palmetto State Armory got together and said, we're going to have a bank of guns in, mm-hmm. you know, Arlington, Texas. They still could be screwed because their peers that they would have to trade with could mm-hmm. say, "Hey, no, we got never going to do business with you." Yeah, all of those other companies could say, "You're freaking toxic. We're not dealing yep. with you." Yeah, um, and then they they first have to get approval from the feds, right? To yeah, even have all that. that. I mean, oh, it's, yeah, setting up banks up is a pain. Yeah, isn't this but, what Walmart went through? Because I think for years Walmart tr- has been trying to get approval to, to create a bank. I don't know if they ever finally got it, and maybe oh, that's why on. we've seen them switch stance. Huh? Starting a bank. Huh? Hunter Biden's just like CEO of a bank. I just yeah, got the right, notice. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I would strenuously avoid <laughs> that bank. Um, so, yeah, what do, what do you guys think about the uh, bank idea? I think you're making a giant target. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is about blockchain, for instance. So, I'm a I I am a spokesperson for Tusk. Mm-hmm. I don't own Tusk. I'm mm-hmm. not the CEO of Tusk. I don't control Tusk. I don't have controlling interest in Tusk. Um, I am just the loudest and most talkative member of the community. So they put me out in front. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is no CEO. There's no Tusk Corporation. There's no Tusk LLC. There's no head to chop off. If I go away, Tusk still exists. The servers are spread across the planet by independent operators. <clears throat> the protocol is launched. Once it's launched, uh, once we launched Tusk, I gave up the control that we had in creating this. And so I think that's the difference. If you make a bank, you just got a you got an address and a zip code and and if you now for instance had a lot of people running transactions through that bank, now you just got a centralized point of one single point of failure. And mm-hmm. you know, if the, someone decides they're going to come in and shut it down, it's shut off and now the whole industry is dependent on that one point of failure and it's toast. The thing is about crypto technologies and whether it be for social media or transactions, is that you really do have too many points of failure to shut down that, and in our case, our network is Mm self-healing. So we have 21 main servers that are elected to that position to serve that role as a a validating block producer on our network. Mm -hmm. But we also have an incentive to, we have 79 backups that are running. So 79 other block producers are just sitting there running servers so and they run a copy of the block uh the blockchain and if one of those top 21 go down they could be immediately replaced and it self-heals 
And you don't have that with a central like bank, for instance. But on the other hand, because the way our networks run, we're going to be able to do, for instance, um, this is an announced thing, but we announced a, a relationship, uh, a partnership and a relationship with Hydro. Um, and they have a multi-coin wallet coming out next month. And we're going to be building out some features for even doing micro loans directly through their wallet with Tusk. Hmm. So when I talk about a bank, you'll be able to do it with the Tusk protocol yeah. right through a, a, an app you can download for free. Yeah. And so there's lots of interesting things that are coming out, but there's no bank president to go shut down. Yeah. These are just protocols or software. Yeah. Why build yeah. a bank? Yeah. It's like saying, let's put up telephone lines right now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Why do that when we're past we're past um, you know like cell phone lines? I mean, Musk is putting up Starlink, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, so uh, and here's one thing. One quick thing I want to get in here. It seems like if we all wanted to get a piece of Tusk, we can kind of do that. From listening to you talking to Crump yesterday and what you're saying now, if we're out here and we want to somehow participate. We can. Is that true? And how, how would people do that? Uh, absolutely. Term, so, and not, not just in terms of the coin, but it, in other ways, it seems. Right. Yeah. So okay. when we're called a decentralized network and, and, and what mm -hmm. that just means is that there's no central company or a central person making decisions. Mm -hmm. So in our project. So, for instance, um, right now, about 14 percent of the supply of Tusk is in a reserve worker fund and all, and if you wanted to say, for instance, volunteer, I call them incentivized volunteers, but if say you're a developer and you wanted to make something with Tusk mm -hmm. or, you know, make an application that used Tusk, mm -hmm. you can literally just at any time, middle of the night, write up a proposal, submit it, and it could go to a vote and get approved. And then you're automatically going to receive Tusk mm -hmm. for working on that proposal. Um, if it's approved by the community, it's almost like direct democracy in that way. Um, and anybody can do it. You can come up with crazy ideas. So like I want to design a satellite for Tusk. Okay. It's going to cost me 40 million Tusk. You write a proposal. If the community then votes on it in a certain period of time, it gets approved, you get paid. And there's no 1099 for that either. Cause it's all done on chain. It just instantly will go to your wallet mm -hmm. after the time period's ended. Um, and so we always say in the way our network works is how decisions are made are also through voting. And so um, and unlike the way the federal government handles elections and the states handles elections, this is pretty robust blockchain voting. And so um, and it's pretty hard to hard to game. Say that again. So, what was that? What was that, Rich? Hank, on the bottom of your screen last night, it said, you know, AP says Joe Biden is projected president. And there's robust integrity in the election. Yeah. Process. <laughs> yeah. They actually Absolutely. put that on our video. Yeah, Facebook and Twitter have both been doing that, too, mm -hmm. saying, you know, this propaganda. And it's that's my first time seeing YouTube do it. And it did it when I pulled out a snippet. And, and basically, Steve, what happened is that there were actually leaks of a press of a conference call between the Biden camp and um, and the ATF where Bi the Biden camp is asking the ATF what's on top of their wish list and uh, to ban. And they said, uh, we want to ban braces and 80% lowers. And and this has been confirmed. Um, I think the other firearms related blogs have confirmed that today, but we, we were talking about that yesterday. So on the podcast, they did that. And then when I made a snippet of it, they did the same thing. Amazing. Um, so, Amazing. Partic so participation. So how you vote is one tusk is mm -hmm. one vote. 
mm-hmm. that simple. So the more Tusk you own, the more vo- votes you have. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it's really straightforward and encrypted uh, and safe. And we could, if we use that to, you know, pick presidents, we wouldn't have questions right now about the election. Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing I think is interesting about decentralized technologies, and I'm kind of involved and in, at least follow the 3D printed gun community mm-hmm. and all that's being done and basically in decentralized fashion. So you have a bunch of people that are connecting using decentralized encrypted communications and, you know, to help spread files and help talk to each other. And then they're doing rapid engineering iteration real time. If you follow like Control Pew and, and Ivan um, out on Twitter and stuff, you'll find that these guys are doing some amazing <laughs> rapid iteration engineering. Um, and, and that is also decentralized. It's being done in a decentralized way. Mm-hmm. Now, they are leveraging encryption for their communications by the mm-hmm. technologies that are talked they're using for communications and stuff. That's another great use of decentralized, both the concept of a decentralized organization, um, but also the use of encryption. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not just for payments. Um, And then you get into the social media stuff. And I think the gun community needs to start moving over, especially you and I have talked about this with library and some of these other decentralized communication platforms. Mm -hmm. I'm not a super big fan of Parler. You know, I'm on Parler, but Mm -hmm. it's still run by one central organization. It's just more, it's like, it's like Twitter for like conservatives. Yeah, I'm I'm on Minds as well. I don't know if you, is it Minds decentralized? Or am I wrong? Minds is. Okay. In fact, I just talked to the CEO of Minds at a conference call with him a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, Minds is blockchain based. Mm-hmm. So it again, it's one of those things that it's pretty much almost impossible for them to shut you down mm-hmm. on that platform. And the same with Library. Library is a decentralized system for yeah. doing it's basically decentralized YouTube. Yeah, you told um, me about uh, that. I'm, I'm, and I've got my videos are up there already. My whole library, it's crazy. Uh, and and has anybody shut your videos down? No. <laughs> have you been? Have you no. made money yet? Uh, well, I haven't. I haven't made any kind of wallet or anything like that yet. I have to I confess. I, I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out. By the way, I find it super ironic that we're having this conversation and YouTube chooses to crash. It crashed again. That's what people were saying. Like our numbers went down even more. And they're saying now I'm seeing people saying that YouTube has crashed worldwide. If you're able to listen to us right now, we're going to keep going with this conversation because it's freaking awesome. Uh, But we're recording it separately. So it will be out there at some point, including it's going to be on on library. So we're we're just going to keep going here for anyone uh, who's concerned about that. But we are aware people keep seeing lots of messages coming in that YouTube's crashed again. Ironic, right? It's not us. We didn't do it. It's 2020. It's 2020. <laughs> Steve, what's your what's your ideas that you have here? If you were able to talk to the industry and say, guys, we need to do these things, what would you say? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't had many opportunities to listen to myself speak, but I, mm-hmm. I, I have a notion that as you know, engaging as this conversation might be, I think for most people, it would. It would pro- they'd probably be turning to something else like cat mm-hmm. videos or something. I, mm-hmm. It's I think getting out there and starting conversations about alternate business structures. Mm-hmm. So basically, what uh, Rob's been talking about is like a, what's called a decentralized autonomous organization. Mm-hmm. And so his his cryptocurrency project is functionally this DAO, this DAO, mm-hmm. and. These things have to kind of parallel 
the older structures, you know, the one person like myself that owns, you know, and can exclude, you know, people from it or include people in it, um, you, you know, these older paradigms, uh, the new paradigms have to parallel that. And we have to make the philosophical justifications for the new systems um, based on our humanity and our, our, our pre-existing and inalienable rights. Mm -hmm. So for good or for worse, uh, you know, freedom is what it is. Mm -hmm. And, the you know, they want to make. In, in the proverbial day, you know, politicians, bureaucrats, mm -hmm. anybody who has an, a, a draw or an ascent to power. The Illuminati, which whether, yeah, whether or, it's yeah, real or not. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, uh, the zeitgeist. You know, government, yeah. you know, uh, you know they, they, they just, you know, they, they want this vanilla, you know, tax farm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody has a spirit and they, and they, they want to share ideas and they don't want to be spied on. And they don't want to be stopped. They don't want to be censored. And if you have, you know, a, a product that you want to sell, I sell mufflers for mm -hmm. guns, mm -hmm. hearing protection that you put on the gun. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the the onerous levels of, of, of compliance that I have to go through mm -hmm. from, you know, uh, the ATF all the way through to my local bank is, I mean, it's destructive to creation. And think of the world that we could live in if we can educate enough people, not only about the, you know, the magnitude of the rights we have intrinsic in our humanity, but also now we have systems and protocols open open source mm -hmm. protocols that you can actually apply mm -hmm. uh, that can lower that friction between people mm -hmm. and, and also keep the people out that you want to keep out. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, th I think that going forward, uh, and, and I'm guilty of not doing this be just because I don't, I don't see that many people. I get locked in a cave and I make stuff, mm -hmm. but um, educating people, uh, and trying to take the intimidation factor away, trying to work around that mm -hmm. so that it's not so daunting to explain and then to, you know, hopefully encourage and, and bring people into uh, the encryption and, and, and cryptocurrency spaces. Uh, you know, I, I've I've had many conversations, uh, arguments sometimes even, uh, you know, uh, with friends and family about, you know, keeping your digital footprint as light as possible and keeping things as secure as possible. And <laughs> a wise man once said a false sense of security is the only kind there is. And that's true, mm -hmm. but we can take responsibility for that and then use it to our advantage. Um, and, and, you know, all the communications that I, I use uh, between my vendors and, and uh, when I exchange files and, and, and uh, CAD data and, and, and solid models, everything gets encrypted end to end. It's it's just not even negotiable. Mm -hmm. And and mainly for me, it's not the government I'm worried about. I mean, I'm 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 on their radar. It's industrial espionage. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 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 things of that nature. You know, mm -hmm. um, when you send an email to somebody, that sits on a server. Anybody can read it. Mm -hmm. You know, so and 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 <laughs> Gmail monetizes it. You know, they scan it. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, mm -hmm. that. 
the education part of it, the component, the kindergarten. We need cryptocurrency kindergarten mm-hmm. and then take it from there. Yeah, we need to somehow – I think what you were saying, right, a lot of people in the industry would uh, ignore it, right, because it's just maybe too much to think about. I get that. We have to figure yeah. out how to make this sexy, you know, how to like sugarcoat the pill so that people choose choose the pill, I guess. Right. Well, and, and I think there are, market, there are market forces that are going to compel that anyway. Yeah. And Tusk is – I think Tusk is the embodiment of, of preempting that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think ultimately, if your if your freedom is based on education of the masses, you're never going to have freedom. Mm-hmm. You got to make it just be the better system that people want to participate in. And then from the sake of like looking at software, right? You just got to make it the coolest app and make it as easy as possible for people to use because it's cool and maybe it incentivizes them rather than trying to sell the merits of its encryption. And that's what I think our goal is, at least maybe hopefully in a year or whenever we can do it, is that I don't want people to know it's crypto. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted mm-hmm. to people just to understand this is just it's like Venmo and we just make it so easy for them to use that it doesn't even, you know, register that it's a cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is the ultimate goal of, you know, pretty much of all software design. Right. Is just mm-hmm. that you do you keep the complicated stuff below mm-hmm. the surface and just abstract or just make it on the front end really easy and simple to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, were you going to say something here, Rich? Please go ahead. You got to make a plug-in for OnlyFans, then you'll be popular. <laughs> well, my OnlyFans is that Rob McNeely. No, it's OnlyFans slept Rob McNeely, and oh, we did boy. a. Oh <laughs> uh, Never mind. <sighs> yeah. Um, that's, what? That's my other channel. <laughs> what can we do? What can we do to make this? Uh, what are the things that we could do to make this? I know you're saying to to, to like you, on your end, you're d- like making. Uh, you know, a good application, right? That's useful for people. But what can we do? Like, what is it? What's what's the responsibility of the rest of us to help out with this? Like, having met Steve, I realized here's a guy making suppressors. To me, suppressors are some of the coolest things. I think every gun should be suppressed. <laughs> you know, it's criminal that every gun is not suppressed, in, in, in my opinion. Right. So, but now I've discovered someone that understands this. I'm thinking, you know, what can I do to, to help him more, get him out there more and help him do what he's doing? And how can we figure out to make it palatable to everyone out there to do this? Because we need it now more than ever. I'm really I'm really worried that when everything truly burns down, this is not even the burn down yet. But when things truly burn down, it'll be too late for us to try to scramble and put all these systems together if we don't already have them in place. Um. I think that's exactly my point, right, is that there is a rush to getting adoption, I believe, of cryptocurrency because I think otherwise, if we don't get decentralized cryptocurrencies actually being used for buying and selling things, Mm -hmm. um, I think when the government coins come out or the centralized banker coins come out, um, they're going to have a lot of monetary power and they're going to have the ability to force feed them uh, to people. And I think that that's a race. And I think ultimately... Um, we need to get out there and get people using it, knowing about it, and, and getting comfortable with the concept. Mm-hmm. Here's here's something people should understand: is that if the federal government in 2020, whether it's Trump or whoever's president, if they had a choice between the currency being dollars or some sort of blockchain-based currency, 
they would pick blockchain because right now I can give my landscaper $100 to cut my lawn. But if you give him a hundred uh, blockchain dollars, they know my company paid me. It went into my bank. It came from me. It went to him and they could actually tax him on that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the scary thing, that if the Fed starts talking about blockchain cryptocurrency, however you want to call it, that's a, that's going to be a screwing for everyone. Yeah. And convertibility, I think, is going to be the, the uh, a critical facet. You have your know your customer and anti money laundering, you know, you know, minutia, and 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 it's it's uh, it's it's like a big wet blanket, you know. And and when you can convert, and the only thing I hope that comes out of something like a a digital dollar or this blockchain dollar is the easier convertibility into these, you know chains, blockchains, and things like that, that you can then use for your Mm -hmm. privacy, Mm -hmm. you know? So hope, you know, that's kind of the silver lining to something like that is, and hopefully there's a way to convert it without, you know, giving up uh, your identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of things like that popping up now, like little micro uh, credit cards where you can limit the amount of money on it and what it pays to and things like that. They're trying to take these good ideas and uh, kind of, you know, swallow them up, right? Like a, a big ship takes a little ship and then they can do whatever they want to, uh, whatever they want to do with it. Um, if there's folks out there that are listening to this and they want to find out more about some of the stuff that we're saying, like blockchain or, you know, anything else here, crypto coin or whatever, where would you guys recommend that they go to to, to get, all, get up on all this information? That's for you, Rob, because I don't have any. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's a little tougher. Um, okay. So th- I don't know of one specific great single source mm-hmm. that kind of walks newbies through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would Cox. say, what's that? Mountgox.com. Yeah, that's a good way not to do it. Yeah, um, what is what is that that you're talking about there, Flying Rich? Someone's going to have to explain that. So Mt. Gox was an exchange. So while I was mining uh, Bitcoin, I would just directly deposit it into my wallet at Mt. Gox. And then you could trade between dollars and Bitcoin. So it was real interesting early on is the market would go up and down and I could trade in and out of Bitcoin into dollars in my Mt. Gox account. Well, I don't know how many years ago it was, but Mt. Gox went belly up. And they're like... See you later. Uh, coins, schmoins, who knows? Wow. So, so I, you never recovered any of that. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And the uh, bankruptcy group, so this is in Hong Kong, the bankruptcy group uh, still hasn't figured out what they're doing yet. Mm. And they, they will pay you back in dollars what your Bitcoin was worth at that time, mm-hmm. because I'm sure the bankruptcy group is keeping the damn Bitcoin because mm-hmm. they're worth $15,000 a piece right now. Mm. So they could give us easily pay us out at like 0.01 percent, mm-hmm. which would be what we lost in mm-hmm. dollars at the time. Mm-hmm. Wow! Right. 
Yeah. So, um, so there's a good podcast uh, that uh, I'm not there. There's a billion podcasts out there, but um, literally crypto101podcast.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do know the the hosts of that show. They do a lot of good information on you know good high level information so that newbies can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I would check that out if people are just looking for a general understanding of crypto across you know, different types of projects. Um, and if you have an interest in a specific project, every, you know, every different crypto project typically has web pages and telegram groups and discord groups, um, and documentation. So even for Tusk, if you're, we have, um, some videos on our blog and, um, articles on how to do things in Tusk and how to use the wallet that we have right now. And so, so every project is going to have those basic elements. Like there's going to be a wallet. They might be, there might be a download loadable wallet or a cloud wallet. Um, everybody's going to have to figure out how to protect their keys. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, then there's things like hardware wallets versus, you know, paper wallets and things like that. So those general concepts are universal across all crypto products, but understand there's like 5,000 crypto assets out there now in, Mm -hmm. in the world. Um, I think if we had our car, our market cap, we're probably like in the mid 500s. Mm-hmm. Uh, of all those products. So, you know, um, that's kind of where we fall right now. Um, but I think it's like anything else, uh, you know, getting active in the group. So in our Telegram group, um, there's always somebody watching and listening to that group that is helpful if you have a question about something. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the group itself will kind of like do its own tech support. Um, you know, I'm like someone came in there today and said, I'm having, I forgot my username. How, I have my keys, but I forgot my username. How do I access it? And a couple of people from the community jumped in and, and kind of walked mm-hmm. them through it. And, and, and people just kind of do that with these communities. They're kind of like self-help groups for liberty activists. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I think there, there's, there, there's so many resources. It's the, I guess that's what I mean, you know, Steve and, and Rich and I were like trying to find one is hard because mm-hmm. there's literally, you know, so many resources out there to find um, uh, information about crypto and specific crypto products and uh, across the board. It's everywhere. Yeah, I think. And it's probably, you know, I would say so if you're ever up late at night and you can't sleep, <laughs> just put you to sleep. Yeah, just search, just search on YouTube, you know, put in what is Bitcoin or whatever. Right. And uh, just start looking at some videos until you fall asleep. At least if you're sleeping and it's still going, you're going to be subliminally learning something. Might not be good, though. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> might not might not be the best thing in the world out there. You know what? I, I think we kind of uh, we kind of neglected to find out from Steve, like more info about Rex. Uh, what is it? Rex Salentium? Rex Salentium. Rex Salentium. Tell us more about this company. I'm going to um, pull up your, your web page here and see what, what sure. I can see. So I've been in manufacturing uh, for 20 years. Um, I've done a lot of consulting and a lot of design work, product design development. Um, and uh, I've always been involved in firearms. I've uh, been a competitor across uh, all the different parts of the spectrum, pistol, shotgun, rifle, you know, three gun, that stuff. Um, suppressors kind of got more and more mainstream, I think, around 2014. And, you know, uh, uh, I decided to, in 2016, I decided to, um, you know, go through all the steps I had to go through. To become a uh, you know a to kiss the ring and then uh, to have permission to make these mufflers, um, 
and so that that was the beginning of the journey for you know the products that you're seeing today. Um, you know, I'm I'm a I learn by doing. Uh, I've never learned from success, but I learn often from failure. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a rigorous empiricist. So I started to unpack, you know, suppressor technology and find out if anybody had discovered, you know, certain relationships between the geometries and features and slowly categorize them and catalog them and uh, found the relationships and these, uh, you know, complicated compressible fluid dynamics um, at hyper velocities. Uh, and I, I, found, I found a system that works very, very well. And then the economist in me uh, began hunting for ways to deliver this to the market uh, to my benefit and, and the market's benefit. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's what the embodiment of Rexcellentium is right now. Um, what does so, this name even mean? I think that was it's from, it's uh yeah. it's Latin for kings of silence. Kings of silence. Uh, kings of silence. That makes sense. So, and the reason <laughs> I chose a the reason mm -hmm. I chose a plural version of that and not the king of silence or Silentium Rex is mm -hmm. how that would be said mm -hmm. uh, is because I didn't invent you know the, the concepts and mm -hmm. I have you know. You know, I'm not out there copying people, but I, I'm using, you know, the masters in their class to to, you know, see, well, what works? Mm -hmm. Do they know what works? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, or, you know, did they just accidentally find it or, mm -hmm. you know, so that's that's what I've been doing. So I, I don't want to just, you know, I can't. It's certainly no part of me is is that haughty to to, to, to say, we're, you know, we're the king of silence. Mm -hmm. But that's just, you know. And again, I told you, I think at the outset, I would have changed that name if I could, but now it's a brand. <laughs> no, it's so. good. No, you, you, listen, you have to just get us to figure out how to say it properly. That's part of the fun. <laughs> so the, the, I've, I've come up with other ways. Like, uh, so we have a URL, uh, you know, uh, custom silencers. Mm -hmm. You know, that's so if I don't want to, if, if, the, if the people I'm talking to don't want to hear that, you know, Rex Silentium or try to, you know, mm -hmm. look at it, you know, written down, custom silencers, silent Rex. You know, right. Silent. Oh, okay. So where are you? Where are you based? Uh, Bozeman, Montana. Montana. Okay. Uh, Very yeah, cool. I've been out here for 20 years. Uh, mm -hmm. When I got out of school, um, I decided to. Uh, I was a machinist while I was in school. Mm -hmm. uh, I decided to start my own machine company, and mm -hmm. then just little by little, it all grew. Okay. Awesome. So, what are the some of the cool projects? I think we're all interested in suppressors here. Right. Uh, what are some of the cool projects you guys have going on that we should know about? Well, I have consistently tried to make a system that – so right now we make a completely welded suppressor, uh, mm -hmm. mainly for durability and the pressures and everything involved. Mm -hmm. What I've been trying to do in the last uh, year is separate the – aperture or the bore mm -hmm. okay that's the di the the hole that the projectile will travel through mm -hmm. i've been trying to separate that from the um the baffle structure because normally what you do is you you have this baffle and you have the geometries and they're all carved out of one piece and the reason i'm trying to change that i, I can't really go too far into it because it would uh, it would betray you know the <laughs> the secrecy of what it is but mm -hmm. What I'm working on now is a system to, to uh, one suppressor, mm -hmm. one suppressor that is user serviceable, mm -hmm. economical, and you can 
change the aperture without Mm -hmm. changing, you know, the baffle. Hmm. And then that also has a legal component to it also because baffles are regulated, but other parts of the suppressor like an end cap or a mount are not. Right. Okay. So there's, there's, there's also legal, uh, uh, I believe a good legal uh, impetus to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but then that would allow us to offer uh, a suppressor that could literally span the gap from mm-hmm. 22 long rifle through all the rifle ca- you know cartridges and is magnums. It, does it go up to 50 BMG? Uh, theoretically, it could, but mm-hmm. that uh, that embodiment would be just <laughs> massive. It'd but, be heavy. Uh, it, so the, the current design we're working on, mm-hmm. it, it, it was an offshoot of a 12 gauge suppressor. Okay. Um, and I, I've built up. I've built up people's like expectation. Uh, I don't know how many people, but mm-hmm. I've built up people's expectation for this 12 gauge suppressor that we keep you know, threatening we're going to release. Mm-hmm. Well, we made a discovery. And, uh, so that's what we're chasing now. So instead of just pushing this out the door in a relatively, you know, undercooked way, you know, and, and, and we want to take it into this, you know, in, into this, uh, uh, this, this area that, that they're like prime mover advantage. There's nobody that does that. I mean, yeah, they have like, mm-hmm universal suppressors that are 45 caliber mm-hmm. but when you put them on a 22 caliber because the bore the aperture matters so mm-hmm. much to the suppression you know it, it sounds like crap you know yeah. so yeah yeah you have one that it, you know the, the projectile will pass through but if you're not suppressing what are you doing yeah so you're kind of trying to to make one suppressor to really rule them all yeah Every, everyone's I mean, I been chasing it, that go into Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah. And that's that, 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 but, but then, but you can, it's, it's a, it's something you can change legally yourself mm-hmm. and you're not going to be in, in violation or out of compliance. So, okay. So along the lines of what we're talking about here, like decentralization and stuff like that, what do you think about the universe, universal mm-hmm. suppressor standards? I've kind of been digging into that lately. Have you heard of that? Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, the universal suppressor standards. Yeah, universal. I think it might be universal silencer standards. Here, I'll. Uh, uh, is, is this a community thing or a government thing? No, I think it's a thing um, in suppressors, and I guess it's kind of unofficial. If you if you Google universal silencer standard, um, and it comes up like a, a 1.375 by 24. Uh, TPI, and so basically, what it is is like oh, the yeah. the back end of the suppressor is on yep. a specific thread pitch. Yep. So yep. you okay, can. I didn't, yeah. Right, I didn't know that sounded a lot bigger than it was. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> our rifle cans all have that thread on. Oh, the they back. do. Oh, it, awesome. It, it, yeah. So because there's no reason to you know force anybody out of systems they've invested in. Mm-hmm. Um, we we actually have a, a, a Rex QD right now. And okay. It, you know it, it it you know it has that same thread, so it goes into our cans. It'll go into other cans and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So, yeah, I yeah. think it's kind of unofficial. Um, but since I discovered it, I thought, wow, this is great. When I get accessories, right. if they're, if they're have this common thread in there, mm-hmm. I could figure out how to put these different suppressors on on different guns without you know every and i get why because i guess those those accessories are expensive to manufacture so they're expensive when they sell them but uh, on the user end that's really you know it's kind of it's it's a tough deal you want it makes it easier it makes it easier to own the things so you don't have just you know this proprietary can 
yeah. that, you know, you just, you see something, you know, an accessory that comes out that's really cool, but you can't, you can't use it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I, um, I'm looking forward to more people doing that. And so are you going to build this, um, suppressor that you're talking about here using that same thread pitch? Oh, for sure. Yeah. There, okay. We, we want to keep everything as, as user friendly, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as possible. So yeah. I don't, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to switch things around and mm-hmm. even, even for the sake of, you know, innovation, I, I think there's, there's many ways to make it user friendly. That's one of them. Yeah. I'll be very interested in this. I think it also opens up by having that standard. It opens up the market for guys who don't want to get into all the stuff it takes to be a suppressor manufacturer and they can make mm-hmm. accessories Oh, off sure. of that thread pitch. Um, and they make some really great ones. There's some companies yeah. out there that, you know, are proximate to the market that, that mm-hmm. aren't making suppressors, but making some very cool, you know, uh, items for the suppressors. Like, for example, suppressor wraps, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they've come a long way, mm-hmm. you know, and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that's a that's an instrumental part of, you know, your, your kit mm-hmm. when you're shooting like long range because, the suppressor heats up and you get mirage. Yeah. So it'll, it'll distort your, you know, your, your impacts. Yeah. Also reduces getting those big burn marks, which I have a bunch of. Them. Right. Right. <laughs> Lighting fires in the back of your car. You yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, are you guys, Rob, uh, Rich, are you guys into suppressors? You know, I'm not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hang out with a guy who runs a suppressor company every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, in Salt Lake, we actually have several suppressor manufacturers. Oh, yeah, that's right. Here. Yeah. Quite a few. Yeah. Silencer Co., mm-hmm. OSS, and Dead Air are yeah. here. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Very interesting. Uh, I like all of those um, cans. And I think those guys are doing Silencer Co. is where the standard thread pitch actually came from i think they were the first I think one you're right yeah. yeah they were doing it and everyone was like well let's just use that <laughs> um uh, dead air has a bunch of uh, of those uh rich mm-hmm. what do you think about cans do you have any i think it's great i'm actually a suppressor virgin but i want to set up a range <laughs> on my property and mm-hmm. i don't want to piss my neighbors off mm-hmm. yeah yeah right. like hey you know, Hank has no problem pissing his neighbors off. <laughs> there, uh, you know, I've found, and, and we, we actually capture um, a, a good amount of first-time, you know, suppressor buyers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's crack cocaine. I mean, when you get your first can, you want to put a can on everything. Yeah, I everything mean, needs to have a can. It's just, you know, you shoot yeah. a twenty-two, you know, <laughs> safely, you know, yeah. you know, in your backyard, and mm-hmm. it, it sounds, it's quieter than a pellet gun. Mm-hmm. With your Wix fuel filter? Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> oh boy. The solvent trap. <laughs> well, Wish keeps trying to, uh, this is the thing is, like, Facebook hates gun guys, but Wish is always trying to sell me an illegal suppressor right through Facebook. Don't so. fall for it, bro. <laughs> I always say, nice try, Mr. ATF man in China. Yeah. <laughs> Don't walk into the light. Yeah, the Chinese will be happy for us all to start getting arrested. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> uh, that's the reason that's kept me out of some of the Class 3 stuff, because mm-hmm. I, I would have to buy right now, you know, a whole mm-hmm. bunch of different calibers and mm-hmm. sizes. And mm-hmm. what you're talking about would make me, you know, and that's expensive. I don't have 20 grand <laughs> to go blow on a bunch of cans. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would blow a grand or whatever for a can and a couple, you know, different interchangeable mm-hmm. apertures in a heartbeat because that would make sense. Yep. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that, that's, that's where we're headed with it. And, you know, it's 
we're, we have to go through some failure cycles before mm-hmm. it, before it matures enough and you know congeals enough that we can offer it. But it's it's well on its way. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll be happy to if you're looking for people to help you test those out. Yeah, for sure. I'll help you fail. I'm good at failing. Yes, I'm really good. My wife will tell you that. You have to sign a liability. Yeah, everyone's volunteering right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to fail. I want to be responsible for developing the first integrally suppressed bullpup. I don't know some weird caliber. This probably in, uh, the first integrally suppressed uh, bullpup shotgun. Yeah, that would be cool. I, there's not. There isn't one, is there? I don't think so. No, yeah, I do have a I do have a bullpup shotgun, couple of them, um, and I've got suppressors. But integral, man, it's all about the integral. You know, if we but can there's get the flexibility. You know, the, the, you give up some of your flexibility with integral, mm-hmm. and and with the the suppressor technology that's out there now, mm-hmm. um, you know, you you can because I think integral suppression was was like state of the art when you know you could really get this you know hollywood quiet out mm-hmm. of the the system whereas mm-hmm. now the technology with the you know the muffler at the end of your barrel is given that to you so and then you can put that on different hosts whereas mm-hmm. you're kind of locked in with integral suppression yeah that's true that's true i still want to do it though <laughs> it yeah. looks cool yeah absolutely it does uh shout out to hootie who i see that i think there's people able to come through um, and it looks like our numbers went up a little bit here. I know a lot of people gave up just because it was so crazy. I don't know if anyone has questions. We are, uh, we are, we're talking about uh, Tusk, which is the easiest way to explain it to you guys. It's like Bitcoin for the firearms industry. We're having this discussion here about decentralizing um, our ecosystem. So in other words, all the things that we need to survive, all the things that people could turn off, like us being on social media, being able to put up your videos, uh, being able to buy and sell things. We're having that discussion here. We've got about we've got about 10 minutes left. I think it's been great, and I want to make sure that I, I, I cram as much info in here as I can, even though I'm going to invite these guys to come back on if they don't mind. Everyone except Rich. <laughs> you know, Pebbles, Pebbles the bird could come back on anytime. But not right. Uh, so, you know, we, we even though there's been troubles, we've recorded this whole thing. It's all going to go up. Um, so what should we, you know, in this time that we have left here, what are the things you guys think we should cover? I don't know if you've got anything, Steve or Rob, Rich, you know, what uh, stuff have we, we left out? Just start with Rob. Mm-hmm. Oh, always volunteering me. Yeah, um, <laughs> we are. We're all here to pick your brains, Rob. <laughs> Um, I, I would say number one is mm-hmm. for especially the people that are uninitiated, people that are new to crypto and blockchain technologies, is understand that there are a whole set of technologies that are being developed, that are developed, that allow people to take control of their personal data and to take control of their financial data and their social media data and eliminate middlemen that can control their data, that sell their data, that abuse their data, that mm-hmm. manipulate their data. And understand that blockchain and cryptocurrencies are, are that new innovation, that new paradigm. That is, uh, these are technologies that can free people if they're done in a decentralized way 
or these are also technologies that can be weaponized against us if they're done in a decentralized way, like we certainly are seeing in China. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, to me, I, I think the number one thing is know that they exist, know that there's a tusk, know that there's a library, know that there's a mines out there mm-hmm. um, that are available that can are right now able to start replacing the PayPal's and the YouTube's and the Twitter's of the world. Understand mm-hmm. that those technologies exist and we need to support those technologies. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I would ask here, a couple of things. Um, one, it can, Tusk can be used as a PayPal replacement, do you think? Is it? Is that something? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's exactly what we're looking at long term. Um, okay. A lot of things have to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of infrastructure is going to be built to do that and mm-hmm. has to be built to do that. Okay. But, you know, we named it the universal settlement coin for a reason, right? We didn't mm-hmm. call it assault rifle coin, <laughs> okay? Um, <laughs> because, you know, but Jeff Bezos also didn't call it amazonbookstore.com either, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because Jeff Bezos knew that he wanted to go into other industries besides the book industry. Mm-hmm. I think long term, I certainly would like to see that if we got enough adoption in certain niche industries that we would expand and, you know, expand the the focus and the marketing into other industries. Um, that's not on the, the radar right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wanted to keep the branding and things generic enough so that would be an option later if we're successful mm-hmm. because I want there to be adoption of, you know, cryptocurrency technologies for payments universally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I, you know, I'm hoping that at some point we will absolutely at least give PayPal a run for its money, mm-hmm. uh, long-term, but you know, we're trying to build something that's going to be a hundred, you know, be here for a hundred years. So, you know, mm-hmm. when you're looking at those kind of timescales, uh, you know, a lot's got to happen, but you know, we're also mm-hmm. not in a hurry. We have, so, I mean, we're a decentralized project, but, if we look at it like this, we have no debt, we have no overhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, our overhead is about hundred dollars a month. Um, uh, we have no full-time employees. Um, we have a working product in the field that's already out there, um, and fourteen percent of the supply is in the worker proposal fund uh, to help grow the project as we become more liquid. So, if we were a startup, I mean, those are great. Those are things that would make a startup a really great project. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, and it's taken us almost three years to get here, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, we're not like brand new. We've been working on this for some time now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm real excited because we're at the point now where we don't we're not running away from running out of money like mm-hmm. a lot of startups do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we're sustainable now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can take as long as it needs to take to get to be successful because we built it that way. Yeah. Um, I see Len Holt says pow, pow coin, <laughs> pow, pow coin, pew, pew coin. I don't know if we, we you know, obviously people are welcome to uh, uh, do whatever they want to. Uh, he also says, boom. <laughs> No, no, I think Tusk is a is a uh, is a good name as far as I'm concerned for the reasons that you said there. But I don't think the name is the most important thing. What can we do? What can those of us looking, you know, what can Steve, what can Rich, what can myself, what can I do to help you with this? Oh, wow. Um, Well, like any other project, we always need help because we're always doing something. So if you guys Mm -hmm. know any developers Mm, Um, We would certainly could use some developers. Um, If we know people that are good at marketing, we always could use help with marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, Anybody can contribute. We will take the smallest amount of time or effort or skill because anybody's help could be useful in our community because we're building a community, um, essentially. So 
uh, we certainly need help on all fronts. Uh, and that, that just doesn't go away. And as we grow, we're going to need more, mm-hmm. um, getting people out there. If you guys are interested, you know, go set up a free Tusk wallet, just go to Tusk.network, set up a wallet. Um, mm-hmm. and if you, you know, we'll, we'll, I could make sure that you have some coins in your wallet when that happens. Um, and then we can play around with it. And, and, you know, I want people to know they're not going to break it, right? This mm-hmm. is something that's, you know, really reliable stuff. Um, but we want to break things now anyways on the mm-hmm. site and, and with the project. So if there is a problem, we can fix it. Uh, and you know, before we do our, our big retailer, you know, onboarding and push next year. So, um, ultimately it's just like, we're trying to grow things like we're trying I mean, we're looking for input too. Like, what do people need? Like, I, I, I really have loved hearing, you know, Steve talk today because mm-hmm. like, to me, we did that in the beginning. Um, but I love hearing what, you know, retailers experiences are and, and Steve's story with PayPal and and your story with PayPal and, and some of these things, I've heard this a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's why we did this because there's a this lot is of a gun huge... guys they've banned a lot, uh, and, 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 and just people they problem. don't agree with in general. I think they're also there's other uh, communities and people they're against. Absolutely, so, mm-hmm. um, even the CBD community has a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a friend of mine, and so we have like a body armor company accept, accepts Tusk right now. Okay. Um, we have a couple CBD shops that mm-hmm. are going to accept Tusk because guess what? They're not even illegal nationwide mm-hmm. anymore hemp mm-hmm. is not illegal and and cbd is not you know thc and weed and all this stuff and they can't get they can't use paypal and they're having a hard time with credit card processing too lots of things they, can't, they can't even open a checking account yeah. i mean the right. growers out here you know are tangentially in the firearms industry because they have to protect stacks of cash mm-hmm. because they can't actually bank mm-hmm yeah, and 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 and, th- yeah. and that creates another issue because and and when we looked at you know Tusk and and what other industries would be interesting that also have a problem with payments, right? Mm-hmm. Those industries are all distasteful to somebody, right? And but we when you look at the cannabis industry, you know not just CBD but the actual real stuff, which is legal in like you know half the states now, mm-hmm. um, but still federally illegal, and if you're caught you know, doing weed related stuff and you got a gun on you. It's like a huge additional felony mm-hmm. for having a weapon while you're committing drug trafficking. And they're going and so, to use that. <laughs> and they're going to use it. So yep. cryptocurrencies also solve a problem in those industries and they have mm-hmm. different problems. That's what I was kind of saying earlier. The gun industry has its own set of problems with payments, but like cannabis has a very different set mm-hmm. of problems, right? Because mm-hmm. at least they can get credit card processing, even though it's just super high expensive and, you know, I got all sorts of problems with that mm-hmm. on the gun side. The cannabis industry can't use it at all. Mm-hmm. And so they have other issues <laughs> carrying around stacks of cash. And mm-hmm. I'm like, those are really good problems to have, though. And I, I, I would definitely figure out a way to solve those problems. But crypto could help that industry tremendously as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Whatever I can do to help you out, we'll probably talk about some of that behind the scenes here. I'm not trying to hide anything from anyone. I know we're, we're, we're already at the nine o'clock hour, but I'm going to do what I can uh, to help you out. Um, what, here's what I'm going to do right now since we are at the 9 o'clock hour. I'm going to kind of go around the clock and give everyone a chance to tell the folks out there who are listening to this, you know, how they can find you guys and, and what they can do to support you, what uh, social medias or whatever you're on under what names. Um, I will definitely have these guys back if they would like to come back. And I, I know that it's been tough for everyone to listen with all the things going on today. But that's why we're having this conversation. I don't think things are going to get easier here. I think it's going to get tougher as time as time goes forward. Let me start with uh, Richard Hughes, Flying Rich. How can the folks out there get in touch with you and support you? 
Yeah, sure. So uh, flyingrich.com is where all my social media is, uh, youtube.com slash flyingrich and flyingrich underscore official on Instagram. I just want to say thanks to all of the jerks at Reddit for blowing up a video of mine, the Stop the Steal video. Mm-hmm. 15,000 Redditors came and uh, viewed my video and made nasty comments. So just Tro- they trolled you. you to victory. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, okay, great. Um, let's let's go to Steve. Uh, Steve, where can the folks out there, uh, where can they find out more information about you guys um, how can they follow you, for example, on social media? Yeah, so we only do one social media. It's Instagram, and that's just mm-hmm. Rex Salentium. Okay. Uh, com, And um, you can also uh, just uh, email us at uh, sales at rexcelentium.com also. Okay. Wait, so- what's your simple URL? Pardon? Your simple URL that I can spell. Oh, uh, Silent Rex. Yeah. Silent Rex. So, yeah, uh, custom. Custom silencers. That's one of the things we do is make custom silencers. So if you have a specific caliber and you want a specific length and weight or, or whatever, we can literally make it and form it and you know sell it to you. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna roll in here uh, before we do anything else. Go look if you start if you put in rex in Instagram, you're gonna see Rexalentium come up. There you go. Uh, and you're actually following me, which is awesome. I'm going to follow you back. I'm going to encourage everyone who's here who's watching us, please go follow these guys on Instagram. I have a feeling that Steve is going to um, have an alternative probably running sometime soon. I don't know. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, I don't know if you have time for that or not, Steve, to uh, the Instagrams. Who knows what's going to happen with that? Right. I, I don't, I mean, it could, you know, they could kick me off anytime, I suppose, you know, deplatforming. It's one of the reasons I've only invested in one. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it happens, it happens. But, yeah. you know, I, I just, I, what I use it mainly for customer service, you know, okay. just people so that they can access me and ask questions. Yeah, absolutely. If anything happens, um, let us know. We, we've got contact information sure. for each other. We will absolutely do everything. Um, that we can to help the folks out there find out what the alternatives would be. Um, And and then, Rob, thanks so much for coming on, man. How can the people out there, how can they communicate with you? You know, what should they follow and all that kind of stuff? Oh, well, just uh, Rob McNeely on Twitter and anywhere else, robmcneely.com for the personals. And then tusk.network. And so just go to tusk.network, T-U-S-C.network. Okay, absolutely. Um, And I... Uh, say that again, Rich. Tusk Network on Instagram. Tusk Network on Instagram. Yes. There you guys go. We're, we'll hopefully have all these guys come back here and we'll keep talking about this. I think it's going to take time. I'm going to get involved. I'll get into it. Uh, do you have a video anywhere of how someone can create a Tusk wallet? There is. It's on our blog at Tusk.network. There is okay, awesome. Okay, so there you go. Go look at that video. Um, you probably told me about it already, so... Probably. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> we're, we're, I, I will make sure I go look at that. I want to thank everyone so much for coming on, having this conversation with us, hanging out with us. For, on our side, it was easy and fun. I know it was really difficult for the audience out there because of all the – like everyone who was listening to us or, or watching us live on YouTube – it was a little crazy, so we appreciate the patience of those of you guys who stuck uh, with us. Stay right there, everyone. Don't leave. I'm going to run in the end, and then I'm going to come back and give someone the final word here. 
Here we go. Here's the end. Make sure you guys smash those thumbs ups, ring the bell so you can be notified every time we go live. We are going to rip the audio out of this and throw it up on iTunes and all the other places where you get your audio podcast from. We've got people listening to us all over the world and we appreciate all of those people. Okay, let's see. Uh, I guess we should we should get uh, Rob. Do you want to give us the final word? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. What, what should be the final word? I don't know. Uh, Steve? Al- always encrypt. Always, okay, good one, good one. Always encrypt. All right. That's a good word. There you go. Always encrypt. Good. We are out of here. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks to everyone out there. We really appreciate you guys. Peace. We're out.